Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah. Allahumme arinal hakka hakkan ve arzukna ittiba'ah. Ve arinal batila batilan varzukna ictinabe Rabbi şrah li sadri ve yessir li emri vahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Assalamu alaykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series This is Mustafa Tuna You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe or now watch them on YouTube at Reflections RN channel and everything uh, we do including the texts are uh, texts and link to the links to the podcast and the video are posted at the website www.reflections-rn.org Inshallah in this episode we will uh, after having uh, made the videos of an introductory character about Bedu Zaman Said Nursi's life uh, the Risale-i Nur and why to re- why read the Risale-i Nur and how to read the Risale-i Nur. We are going back to where we left uh, with actually reading the Risale-i Nur, alhamdulillah. Uh, we had left uh, in the second episode of the second station of the 21st word. And this is about uh, satanic whisperings or obsessive thoughts. And we had made an episode we had made the first episode of this uh, section of the 21st word. But uh, since now we are doing this in the video format, I want to have a complete set about obsessive thoughts. So I'm going to, inshallah, redo the first episode of the second station. Um, if you already listened to it in the podcast, this will be, inshallah, be a refresher, a reminder, uh, because I... Uh, have not been reading from the Risale-i Nur, actually the Risale-i Nur uh, for a while, and I felt the need to remind myself about where we left to. If you did not listen to it, inshallah, all the, you know, all the better, inshallah, you can listen uh, now. Uh, so once again, as a reminder, please make sure to subscribe both the podcast and the YouTube uh, channel. That helps me. So bismillah, let's go back to uh, reading the Risale-i Nur. <coughs> 21st word, second station. Kalbin beş yarasına beş merhemi tazamun eder. It entails five salves for five wounds of the heart. So this is about a matter of the heart. Wounds of the heart. What is that wound? It's wounds that come from obsessive thoughts, which originate, primarily originate in satanic uh, whisperings. And this is a treatise inspired by a commentary on uh, the verse as billahi shaitan rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim rabbi a'udhu bika min hamazati shayatin wa a'udhu bika rabbi an yahdhurun and say lord i take refuge with you from the goadings of the evil ones and i take refuge with you lord so that they may not come near me the evil ones what are the evil ones we know Satan, we know Iblis, we know the story of how he refused to um, 
uh, prostrate before Adam السلام, and then he was cast of God's uh, presence and resolved to take us all to hell became the clear enemy of the human being may God's curse be on him and may he save us from him so we know that but Iblis is not alone there are uh, people there are jinn and perhaps other creatures that it uh, convinced subjugated that became its companions and they also serve as substitutes for Iblis so there are jinn and sometimes there are people right that are satanic and these whisperings can come from all these sources um, ultimately ultimately however for them to make an impact on us the starting point is the heart and if it is coming from uh, evil spiritual beings or Iblis himself or companions of Iblis they have a way to access our heart this is part of the wisdom of the creation of the human being in that uh, the human being is given the choice to choose the volition to, to choose between good and evil and there has to be something goading the human being toward evil so that his choice is meaningful will be meaningful right because if you are given given a test <clears throat> and this is a multiple choice test but the answers in the test are a the true answer b the true answer c the true answer d the true answer so a b c d whichever one you choose is true then the test loses its meaning so it needs to be a the true answer b the false answer right c the true answer d the false answer or something like that so there is a wisdom in the creation of Iblis and his companions and these evil uh, spirits and that they are given access to our hearts right? so that is uh, the, the origination of these whisperings these obsessive thoughts but whispering in and of itself is not uh, sufficient to turn into an obsessive thought we do something with it and when we do something with it it becomes an obsessive thought so that's what we are going to talk about inshallah Ey marazı vesvese ile mübtela, biliyor musun vesvesen neye benzer? Musibete benzer. Ehemmiyet verdikçe şişer, ehemmiyet vermezsen söner. Ona büyük nazarıyla baksan büyür, küçük görsen küçülür. Korksan ağırlaşır, hasta eder. Havf etmezsen hafif olur, mahfi kalır. Mahiyetini bilmezsen devam eder, yerleşir. Mahiyetini bilsen, onu tanısan gider. This is brief, but so packed concise that we may have to um, spend some time and think about it think about it oh he who is afflicted with the disease of obsessive thoughts do you know what your obsessive thought is like it is like calamity when you give importance to it it inflates if you do not give importance it deflates 
If you see it big, it grows. If you see it small, it shrinks. If you fear it, it becomes heavier and makes you sick. If you are not afraid, it becomes light and remains hidden. If you do not know its quiddity, it continues and settles. If you know its quiddity and recognize it, it goes away. <clears throat> so let's try to reflect upon it now. Oh, he who is afflicted with the disease of obsessive thoughts. Afflicted. So it's a disease and it afflicts us. It is not something that we do by, by choice. Right? There are things that we can do to prevent it and to cure it. But the disease, we don't choose the disease. It is part of this wisdom of creation. If we are not equipped with the right um, defenses, it's going to come and afflict us and, and it may even cause our demise. It may even cause uh, cause our uh, cause misguidance, deviation. May God protect us from it. So we need to equip ourselves with it. It may cause us lose the rewards of our good deeds. We may be thinking that we are doing something really good. We are being like very scrupulous and we are making the utmost effort to please our Lord. But as we do it, as we do it, we may be digging our own um, traps in which we fall. We may be entrapping us, ourselves. Oh, he who, who is afflicted with the disease of obsessive thoughts. Now, who is he? Am I one of them? Everybody, to some extent, is afflicted with this. Uh, but some people are afflicted more. It may become even, uh, as the name implies, obsessive. It may reach a level of obsession. And that's a matter of the character, right? Some people are tested with this. Some people are tested with other things. Um, but at some level, we are all afflicted and therefore there is benefit for all of us in this. And even if we are not afflicted now, there is the risk of being afflicted at some point. So there's benefit in this for all of us. Do you know what your obsessive thoughts thought is like? Do you know? So sometimes we may have the obsessive thought, but we may not know that we have the obsessive thought. We may think that it's something else. We may even think that it's something good. So the first step in preventing and curing this disease is to recognize it. So Ustad Nursi is going to tell us what it looks like. He's going to give us some um, tips for recognizing it. And he's also going to uh, explain to us its nature, right? And as usual, he will use uh, representations, metaphors, uh, parables, examples to help us understand the matter. He's going to make it as concrete as possible for us. Do you know what your obsessive thoughts thought is like? It is like calamity. When you give importance to it, it inflates. If you do not give importance, it deflates. Now, to understand this, we need to know what calamity is like, right? Uh, and we actually did that. We read the treatise on the sick, the, 20, um, the 25th flash. 
those who did not listen to it, inshallah, you can go back in the episodes of the podcast series. It's not available, but it is available in video too, but it is just a, uh, you know, uh, picture on the screen. So it's not an actual video. You can listen to it in, in, in the, in, in the uh, podcast, inshallah. Um, the 25th flash, Treaties on the Sick. And we did several weeks, uh, we covered it in several weeks. Uh, the gist of the matter that I think is going to be uh, very relevant here is that when calamity strikes, obviously it hurts. Obviously there is pain and disturbance and vexation and um, sadness and sorrow. No, it's not pleasant. <clears throat> and this has a weight on our shoulders. This has a burden. However, first of all, it, it, it is from God. And when God gives the calamity, he also gives the means of dealing with it to us. And the, one of the most important means is patience. God gives us patience too. However, when we do not employ that patience in the way that it deserves to be employed or it behooves to employ, we waste it. And because we waste it, the patience that we have ends up not being sufficient for the calamity that we are going through. And the burden of the calamity increases on our shoulders. How do we waste it? Patience. We think about the past times uh, that we lived in, in that state of uh, calamity. And we start to think of that as a burden in, in and of itself. We, when we think about it, we think about the pain, the experience of the pain and vexation, and it weighs on us. And then we also think about the times to come. And that also weighs on us. But the reality of this matter is that the times past are past. They are not here any longer. They have left only one thing that's still with us. And that is, if we spent them with patience, in a state of patience, we earn rewards. And we should be happy that we have earned those rewards. We don't have to go through that any longer. We already went through it. And they left us their rewards, spiritual rewards. And inshallah, that will, we, we will hope, we hope that that will be our keys to the gates of paradise. That's going to be a mound for us to take us to paradise. As for the times to come, they have not come. And there's no guarantee, nobody can guarantee that two seconds from now, we will be alive. Or two seconds from now, that calamity will still be here. God has amazing means. He gives us. He gives us our provision from where we do not expect. He gives us healing from where we do not expect. He gives us openings from where we do not expect. So even though we may be constricted right now, we may be going through that calamity right now, tomorrow it may all change. The sun might rise and the you know, weather might shine and that constriction may turn into openings, 
right? We do not know what is to come in the future. So there is no need for us to worry about it. But, but we don't do this. We focus on the calamity itself rather than the blessings that we are blessed with, right? Rather than counting our blessings, right? I'm given existence. I'm made a slave of God. I'm made a human being. I'm given, alhamdulillah, I'm given faith. And with this faith, inshallah, I'm looking forward to eternal bliss and the countenance of my Lord. And in the meanwhile, in this long journey into eternity or long eternal journey, long eternal journey, I'm spending maybe a few days, maybe a few years here at the beginning of this uh, this long journey from the, the, the world to the hereafter. And of course, there's before this. I'm spending a little time here in this difficulty, but it is going to pass. <clears throat> so when you think this way, you focus on your blessings, not on the calamity itself, not on the pain itself. So if you are in pain, right, what, what, what helps? Does it help if you focus on the pain and concentrate and try to feel it more or, or, if you focus on something else that's distracting and you may even forget the pain. <clears throat> you may even forget it altogether. That is possible, right? Because, you know, our brain works in fantastic ways. And there, there are people who can actually uh, block the pain. It may be rare, but it's possible. And, you know, we, we hear these stories about the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, people from the Tabi, from, you know, among the righteous, who would stand in prayer or perhaps sit, I don't know. Uh, and as a result of their concentration in the presence of their Lord, they would go through a medical operation. They would operate on them and they would not feel this, right? So the weight of the calamity, the pain of the calamity, the vexation of the calamity <clears throat> is to some extent uh, is, is because of the calamity itself, right? But the degree to, to which it bothers us and the continuation of that, uh, that, that disturbance, right? Is about what we do with it. So this is the analogy that will help us understand what's going on here too. The more we focus on it, the more we think about the past and the future and what's going to happen, and the more we occupy our mind with it, the worse it becomes. <clears throat> when you give importance to it, it inflates. If you do not give importance, it deflates. And also pay attention to the... Uh, the, the imagery here, right? Inflates, deflates. We are talking about a balloon. What's a balloon? It's a little tiny uh, plastic, piece of plastic. But if you inflate, it may become huge. But when it becomes huge, is it huge? No, it is still the same tiny plastic. It just inflates them. It, it's filled with air. It's filled with nothing. If you do not give importance, it deflates. If you see it big, it grows. It grows on you. If you see it small, 
it shrinks. If you fear it, it becomes heavier and makes you sick. So at the beginning, perhaps it was not strong enough, enough. it was not you know, heavy enough to make you sick, but you fear it, and out of your fear, the burden increases, the weight increases and increases and increases, you inflate it and make it heavier, and then it, you cannot carry it any longer, you get sick. If you are not afraid, it becomes light and remains hidden. Maybe it is still there, but you can cover it up. The way you know people would stand in prayer and they would be operated on, when they're operated on, those nerves that carry the signals of pain and so on and so forth are still, still there. And they are being stimulated, but they are being blocked. They are being, they are being pushed behind a curtain, behind a veil. If you do not know its quiddity, it continues and settles. If you know its quiddity and recognize it, it goes away. So, Ustad Nursi is not telling us only to, you know, not pay attention to it. Don't pay attention to it. This might be like, you know, the famous example when they tell people, now I'm going to tell you something. Do not think of chocolate ice cream. Okay? Right now, do not think of chocolate ice cream. So it, it, as soon as you hear this, you think of chocolate ice cream. There's no way. That's how the, the brain works, right? The, it, it, it works with associations. And the, word, uh, the, the words chocolate ice cream are associated in our minds with a certain creamy, brownish, sweet, cold substance. And when, when we hear the words chocolate ice cream, we cannot not think about chocolate ice cream. <clears throat> so what do you do? Well, you need to understand what it is. You need to understand its quiddity. And when you understand its quiddity, from that will arise the means of not, not uh, paying attention to it. So Stadnursi is not going to tell us, don't pay, pay attention to it and, and stop there. No, he's going to help us how not to pay attention to it. And that uh, we do by first and foremost understanding the quiddity of these obsessive thoughts. That is what they are. Quiddity means what it what is it? Right? Or what it is. Understanding the, the nature of uh, this thing. Understanding how it works. When we understand how it works, we can fix it. When we understand how it works, we can um, come up with the measures to prevent it. And that's what we will do. In Öyle ise şu musibetli vesvesenin aksamı kesiresinden kesirül vuku olan yalnız beş veçini beyan edeceğim. Belki sana ve bana şifa olur. Zira şu vesvese öyle bir şeydir ki cehil onu davet eder, ilim onu tark eder. Tanımazsan gelir, tanısan gider. In that case, of the many categories of this calamitous obsessive thought, I will expound only five aspects that happen frequently. Perhaps it may be a means for healing for you and me. And, you know, of course, Ustad Nursi always addresses his own soul in these things, right? Perhaps it may be a means for healing for you and me and 
the lesson from this is that we need to address ourselves. We need to listen to these treaties or read these treaties, engage these treaties, hoping to cure cure our hearts from the obsessive thoughts that it has and also um, prove it, prove it against the obsessive thoughts that may come in the future. Protect it. Perhaps it may be a means for healing for you and for me. For this obsessive thought is such a thing that ignorance invites and knowledge expels it. If you do not recognize it, it comes. If you recognize it, it goes away. <clears throat> so let's uh, open it up a little bit more. In that case, of the many categories of, so there are many categories of obsessive thoughts, uh, but some are more common. And Ustad Nursi is going to um, explain us five aspects of those more common ones, or maybe five versions of uh, obsessive thoughts, we may say. And the hope is that this will heal us or protect us from those obsessive thoughts. And the reason why we will now have this hope is that the nature of obsessive thoughts is such that if you don't know about it, if you don't recognize it, if you have not heard about it, if you uh, are, are exposed to it, but this ex you are not aware of your exposure, right? increases but if you recognize it if you understand what it is and how it works it goes away you can make it go away inshallah so first aspect and Ustad Nursi next to this when he puts the subtitle puts first wound so as we mentioned these are wounds these are uh, wounds on the, on the on the heart and we want to heal those wounds inshallah shaytan evvela şüpheyi kalbe atar eğer kalp kabul etmezse şüpheden şetme döner. Hayale karşı şetme benzer bazı pis hatıraları ve münafi, münafi edep çirkin halleri tasvir eder. Kalbe eyvah dedirtir, yese düşürtür. Vesveseli adam zanneder ki kalbi Rabbine karşı sui edepte bulunuyor. Müthiş bir halecan ve heyecan hisseder. Bundan kurtulmak için huzurdan kaçar, gaflete dalmak ister. Bu yaranın merhemi budur. Satan casts doubts in the heart first. So this is a an obsessive thought that's coming from Satan directly from Satan or its uh, compa companions, and the starting point is the heart because that's the that's where they have a um, a center of communication. They have a telephone line, right? They have a phone line that is directly connected to the heart. Satan casts doubt in the heart first. If it, if it does not accept it, if the heart does not accept it, it the, that, that doubt turns into uh, turns from doubt into sacrilege. It depicts before the imagination some dirty thoughts that resemble sacrilege and ugly states that are in violation of proper etiquette. It makes the heart say, woe to me, and, and fall into despair. A man with obsessive thoughts presumes that his heart is being disrespectful to his Lord. He feels a dreadful trepidation and anxiety. To get rid of this, he flees from divine presence and wants to plunge into heedlessness. The salve for this is the following. 
Satan casts doubt into the heart first. So there is a um, center, a connection in the in the in the heart called Lumei Shaitaniya, a center through which Satan communicates with the heart. And then there's a Lumei Rabbaniya, and there are uh, centers of communication with God and centers of communication with angels. So uh, it's it's all fair that when it is it is there, uh, you know. God does not leave us alone, right? The choice is ours. And the problem is when we listen to the uh, data, information, voices, noises that are coming from that Lumei Shaitanya, that, that satanic uh, connection that is in the heart. It's like a phone call. The phone rings. You can choose to pick it up or not. But if you pick it up, you are, you, it, it is, you already started it, like, the way it happens with spam calls, right? If you are not experienced, they call you and they start with something so like exciting. Your credit card is uh, compromised, or uh, you know you are in you are being investigated under crim criminal charges about blah blah blah, right? You hear that and you're like, oh, and you lose your you know some of your intellect as, again, especially if you are not. Uh, experienced about these things and you start to listen and you, and you start to talk and then they some, say something else and before you know it you have uh, you know sent uh, $2,500 to them and they they are gone Satan casts out in the heart first if it does not accept it if the heart does not accept it so these are also obsess obsessive thoughts about doubts that is you know what does Satan want to do he wants to steal our faith, right? Uh, it, it, these may be doubts about uh, faith. May God protect us, right? These may be, may be uh, you know, arrows that Satan is shooting into our heart to, to wound our faith. Or it may be something relatively simple, simpler, like you may doubt that you have wudu or not. But it's mostly the, the, the first, uh, about the first one, this, uh, this aspect of obsessive thoughts. is mostly about the first one. That is, things that concern our faith and things that concern uh, things that we hold uh, sacred. Right? If the heart does not accept it, that thought, that doubt, turns from doubt into sacrilege. Sacrilege, that is um, an affront to things that we hold we hold to be uh, sacred and holy, right? It depicts before the imagination some dirty thoughts that resemble sacrilege and ugly states that are in violation of proper etiquette. Now you, I mean, you, 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 don't, you can't even help this. You don't do it. It comes. And it comes and as you are you know, praying before God, you, you are standing or even maybe you are in... Um, prostration, right? Satan um, goads you to think about your own grandeur. You are prostrating. You put your forehead on the, on the ground. You are saying, I'm nothing. It's all about you. I'm your slave. You are demonstrating and proclaiming your slavehood before your Lord. And there come these thoughts about how you really did that thing that was, you know, yesterday. You like you were playing soccer and 
you you like kick the ball from you know way past half the field and it flew and flew and entered the goal and wow you did that right you say subhana rabbi al-ala and as you say subhana rabbi al-ala you are thinking about how a'la you are now you're not doing this intentionally right but the meaning came to the heart the heart said come on one second I, I know my lord he is the god is the greatest and you know i'm nothing here i'm i'm prostrating the heart doesn't accept it but then it passes through that into imagination and in the imagination there emerges these thoughts that are um, sacrilegious that are profane that are in violation of proper etiquette right you are in recurrence saying subhanahu rabbi al-azim perhaps you know you are thinking of uh walking in the street naked you are thinking of doing things that are okay in private but you know against proper etiquette in public the image I mean, you are not even thinking when i say think it, it's an you know active uh verb it is something that we do right you're not even doing it's happening to you because it's passing in front of your imagination in front of the eyes of your imagination right if i if i look at the screen i i see the screen and if something is playing on the screen and i have no control on it right so if, if, and we look into our imagination it's an active thing that's constantly you know working in the background and then it happens that this these you know things that are in ugly states that are in violation of proper etiquette come in front of it the doubt that the, that satan casts into the heart uh, acquires the form of something sacrilegious. It makes the heart say, woe to me, right? The heart, of, of course, the heart knows his Lord and the heart knows that the state that it's supposed to be in as it is prostrating before its Lord. So it says, woe to me. It's, it's, it fears the situation, but it cannot help because the imagination is still working. So it falls into despair. Despair, it lo loses hope, right? It says, I, I I can't do this, right? I'm I'm yes, I'm nothing, but I'm not a I'm not nothing in a good sense, I'm nothing in a really horrible sense. I I I can't even stand in front of my Lord. It is you know, it's too shameful for me to stand in front of Allah. May God protect us from something like this. Right? So what happens? Satan first cast it down. The heart did not accept it. And then it moved from there into to, 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 to imagination. And there it turned into a depiction. And the heart became so fearful of it. And because of this, this, this fear and shame, right? It started to run away from the presence of its Lord. Woe to me. It falls into despair. A man with obsessive thoughts presumes that his heart is being disrespectful to his Lord. I mean, is there anything? I mean, there might be. But I mean, if there are things that are worse than this, they would still be in the same category of us um, not following proper etiquette with, with our Lord. Otherwise, is there anything worse than this? Being disrespectful to, to our Lord, right? I mean, denial, of course. But again, it's denial of our Lord. 
while we are a slave while we while we know that we are a slave and while we know that this is the highest rank and station that a human being or anything in the creation can imagine that we are slaves of god right the person with obsessive thoughts presumes that his heart is being disrespectful to his lord he feels a dreadful trepidation and anxiety to get rid of this he flees from divine presence and wants to plunge into heedlessness he, he, he he can't deal with it. He just wants to not feel it. He wants to become desensitized to it. He, he, he runs into heedlessness. Subhanallah. Out of his respect for his Lord, this person ran away from his Lord. But is there anywhere to run away other than our Lord? Right? That became a problem with faith because he assumed that there is somewhere to to run away other than our Lord. Right? There is no escape, there is no refuge from you other than to you. That is the reality of this, the, 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 the situation. There is no refuge other than God from anything, including from God. And if you try to run away from God, may God help and protect us, that, that, that would be based on the assumption that there is somewhere, something to run away from God. SubhanAllah. It doesn't work that way. So one has to be careful about this and one has to solve this problem. It is a problem. Look, O oh helpless, obsessive man. Do not be alarmed. For what comes into your thoughts is not sacrilege. Now remember we said, if you understand what it is, if you understand it's quiddity, it goes away. Now we are afraid of the situation. We are ashamed of the situation because we are thinking that it is sacrilege. And that's making us fearful and ashamed before our Lord. But, oh, it's not sacrilege. Okay, then what is it? So we, 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 we solved half the problem here. It is not sacrilege. Rather, it is imagination. As, imagining of, as the imagining of disbelief is not disbelief, imagining sacrilege is not sacrilege. Right? Imagining disbelief is not disbelief. Imagining sacrilege is not sacrilege. For according to logic, imagination is not judgment, but sacrilege is. So... You are imagining uh, a person who does not believe. Or you imagine the idea of disbelief, right? So the idea of disbelief would be something like, God does not exist. Now, I did not pass any judgment about this statement. I just stated that this would be the, one of the aspects of the idea of disbelief. And since I did not pass any judgment on it, there is no responsibility for, for, for me, right? I mean, we may take into consideration other things like, say we went to a, a community of people who are good believers and who, have, who live in their village and have not been in touch with the rest of the world and 
they are not exposed to challenges to their faith. Uh, they, they, you know, they are beautiful believers who, beautiful practicers of their religion and so on and so forth. And if you go there and start talking about ideas that are about disbelief or ideas that are uh, about, you know, uh, that could be sacrilegious if you pass judgment about them, right? If you talk to them about the possibility of the non-existence of God. Now, now we are exposing them to something that they weren't exposed and that's dangerous. Perhaps they may pass judgment about that, right? But when we think about it or when we imagine it, when, it, when the, the, uh, that scenery passes in front of our imagination, we are not passing judgment about it. We are not saying that this is good. Like I am in prayer, standing in prayer, and as I'm saying this, uh, the image of a huge shelf of alcoholic beverages uh, that I saw the day before as I was passing by in the grocery store comes into my sight. And why, why, why is this happening? Well, I'm not passing any judgment about those alcoholic beverages. I'm not saying, wow, it would be good to drink these. I'm not saying, well, come on, who said that it is haram, it is forbidden, it should not be forbidden. I'm not saying anything like that. It's just the image that it just came, came. I'm not passing any judgment, right? When I say, you know, disbelief would be, could be defined as the idea of uh, God not existing, I'm not saying, Hasha, may God protect, uh, you know, God does not exist. I'm not passing any judgment, right? So those obsessive thoughts that turn into uh, images and thoughts that if judgment was passed about them might be sacrilegious, right? They're just imagination. They are not sacrilegious. Right? We are not passing judgment about them. And as long as, long as you don't pass judgment about them, uh, you, you are fine. Right? And the other thing is, you don't pass judgment about them. You leave them alone. Right? I sold alcoholic beverages and my, you know, what, uh, what I should be doing at that moment is not to, you know, go through the uh, reasoning, jurisprudential reasoning about why alcoholic beverages are haram, forbidden, and in a passion, this is haram, this is haram, this is haram, this is haram, you know, one should not drink these. No, I'm praying, I'm in prayer, I'm, you know, I, I need to be with my Lord, not with those bottles. But they tell this story that uh, a man was praying in the masjid, and as he's play, praying, he was like, he kept playing with his beard and playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, and, playing. and there came this voice, uh, I suppose it was an angelic voice, and, and said, look at that man. He thinks he is praying, but instead of being with his Lord, he is all with his beard, right? He's, you know, he's, he's occupied with his beard. So the man heard this, and he became, you know, fell into despair in the way that it, it is articulated here. And he was like, because of this beard, I am losing my prayer. And he started to pluck his beard out, uh, hair by hair, hair by hair. And then there came another voice and said, look at that man. He thinks he's in prayer, but now he's plucking his beard out, right? 
So the point is that you don't play with your beard, you leave it alone. Imagining sacrilege is not sacrilege. Or according to logic, imagination is not judgment, but sacrilege is, right? So it is the imagination of something ugly. It is the imagination of something profane. It is the imagination of something uh, untrue, right? But because you are not doing it intentionally and because you are not passing judgment about it, you are fine. And now that you understood its quiddity, quit it, right? Leave it alone. Don't pick the phone. Leave it alone. Hem bununla beraber o çirkin sözler senin kalbinin sözleri değil. Çünkü senin kalbin ondan müteessir ve müteessiftir. Belki kalbe yakın olan lümme-i şeytaniden geliyor. Vesvesenin zararı tevehhümü zarardır. Yani onu zararlı tevehhüm etmekle kalbe mutazarrır olmaktır. Çünkü hükümsüz bir tahayyülü hakikat tevehhüm eder. Hem şeytanın işini kendi kalbine mal eder. Onun sözünü ondan zanneder. Zarar anlar, zarara düşer. Zaten şeytanın istediği de odur. In addition to this, those ugly words are not the words of your heart. For your heart is affected by it and regrets it. Rather, they are coming from the satanic fellow traveler, Lumma Şeytaniya. This is a, a more technical translation for that center or connection that we talked about in the heart. Uh, connection with Satan in the heart. Right? They are coming from the satanic fellow traveler that is close to the heart. The harm of obsessive thought is in the supposition of harm. In other words, it is suffering the harm in the heart by supposing it to be harmful. For he supposes, this person supposes an imagination without judgment to have reality. He also attributes Satan's work to his heart. He thinks that Satan's words are from the heart he perceives it to be harmful and falls into harm. And this is what Satan wants after all. In addition to this, those ugly words are the words of, are not the words of your heart. So words, images, forms that, you know, started in the heart, but once they pass through the heart, enter the uh, imagination, or intellect might also be a possibility here. They they take forms. And as they take forms, they take forms that you associate with ugliness. And because these are forms that, ins that um, remind of ugliness, your heart is affected. It becomes worried, anxious, sad, right? And it regrets this situation. It does not want it. So how can your heart be responsible for something that it was, it does not want? And this is the heart, right? We are not thinking about like second intentions and hidden intentions and so on. No, the heart does not want it. It is affected by it. It is the victim. The heart is the victim here. Rather, they are coming from the satanic fellow traveler, right? There is this fellow traveler that is associated with the heart, that travels close to the heart. It you know sits next to the heart. I'm sitting in, on my chair here. So there is this another, say, assume there's another chair here and Satan is sitting on it, which is the case. I mean, they are, if not sitting, they're around us. We are all surrounded by 
satanic and angelic forces and spiritual beings. It is sitting there and it has this ability to communicate with my heart, the ability to you know throw things into my heart and it's sitting there and enjoying some tick, tick. It is throwing, you know, little pebbles uh, that if I pay attention to them turn into grenades, bombs in my heart. The harm of obsessive thought is in the supposition of harm. Subhanallah. Let's think about this. Let's try to absorb this. Is there harm in obsessive thought? Yes. There is harm in obsessive thought. What is that harm? It is the supposition of harm. If you understand its nature, if you understand that there is no judgment in this, it's not sacrilegious, it is not harmful, as long as you do not make something else out of it, something harmful out of it, right? It's not harmful. But if you suppose it to be harmful, then it becomes harmful. The harm of obsessive thought is in the supposition of harm. In other words, it is suffering the harm in the heart by supposing it to be harmful. The, the harm is, the harm that comes from obsessive thought is, the suffering that you have in your heart by supposing it to be harmful, by supposing that obsessive thought to be harmful. Or the person supposes an imagination without judgment. So this is an imagination without judgment. And the rule is that supposition, imagination without judgment is not harmful. Imagination without judgment is not harmful, right? I mean, that you can think of uh, exceptions to this. So you don't intentionally imagine that is, uh, and you don't intentionally imagine something that is haram to imagine, right? That is something haram, uh, forbidden to visualize. That is something to see. That is something, uh, you know, uh, for forbidden to do, right? You don't intentionally do this because that is a different category. We are talking about that imagination unintentionally occurring to your inner sight. But the person supposes an imagination without judgment to have reality, right? I imagine myself, I mean, I have to give these examples. I'm imagining myself drinking wine. Okay, I'm, and I'm not doing this intentionally either. Because I, if I do it intentionally, I'm, it might turn into encouragement for myself. It might turn into something normalizing my drinking wine and so on and so forth. There, there are many other things that come into the picture. But unintentionally, somehow it occurs to me in, my, in the mind of my imagination that I am drinking wine. Right? Now, am I actually drinking wine? If I actually drink wine, that's haram. That's forbidden. Right? But I'm not doing it. It just occurred to me and I didn't pay attention to it. it, it passed by and left, it disappeared. But if I suppose it to have some kind of reality, right? It may not be the reality of me actually drinking wine, but it may be the reality of the image of drinking wine being harmful. So I'm supposing it to be harmful and then that emerges the harm from this supposition that my heart is affected and my heart starts to occupy itself with it and 
You know, the heart cannot occupy be occupied by two things at the same time. It's either occupied with its Lord or it's occupied with the image of drinking wine. He also attributes Satan's work to his heart. He thinks that Satan's words are from the heart. This came from Satan. This came from my clear enemy. I did not pay attention to it in my heart. I did not accept it. But the nature of this process is such that it turned into an imagination. Satan, you know, cast me such a pebble that if I pay attention to it, it explodes and you know, travels from the heart into imagination, or it may be the intellect, travels into my imagination, and there it turned into this image. I did not make the image. I did not try to create it. It's coming from Satan. But when the person is ignorant, when the heart is ignorant about the situation, when the heart does not know the quiddity of what's going on, right? It attributes Satan's work to his heart, or the person attributes Satan's work to his heart. He thinks that Satan's words are from the heart. He perceives it to be harmful and falls into harm. Why? Well, first of all, there is the pain of, you know, uh, in supposing this harm. And if I believe in God, I want to be a good slave of my Lord. I want to be a good slave of my Lord. Of course, I don't want to, to do something that's, um, that's sacrilegious, right? If I think that this has reality, then I am thinking that I'm doing something sacrilegious. I am not. But I, I don't recognize the quiddity of this thing, and I might be thinking. So there's going to be an, a, a pain, a trepidation in the heart, and that's harmful. But the even worse harm is that when I'm occupied with the trepidation, I cannot occupy my heart with my Lord. So this is um, this is a uh, this is an opportunity cost, if you will, right? I'm losing the opportunity of gaining. But even worse than that, if I take this too seriously, you know, I'm a good slave of God and I respect my Lord and so, so on and so forth, I fall into despair and I became sh ashamed of my Lord and I, you know, become heedless of the situation, lose my mind, lose my intellect and try to flee from my Lord to where, where am I going to flee? But that hurts my faith. I know that prayer is standing in presence before my Lord. And I'm so ashamed that I, I, I don't want to stand in front of my Lord. No. No. There is no alternative to standing before your Lord. If you are not standing before your Lord, you are sitting before your Lord. If you are not sitting before your Lord, you are lying down before your Lord. If you are not doing something good before your Lord, you are doing something bad before your Lord. There is no way, there is no way for you to not be in the presence of your Lord, right? So then put things where they belong. Recognize that you are always before your Lord and worship Him. Be His slave as though you see Him, as though you see Him. 
Because, you know, even if you don't see him, he sees you. That's what the Prophet ﷺ taught us, right? But the emotional state, that, that trepidation, that anxiety, that fear, that shame, and so on and so forth, creates in the heart, may prevent us from being able to process all this knowledge. And we become forgetful. We become forgetful. We become heedless to the situation. And we do really harmful things. So what is the solution? Know its quiddity. Know what it is. It is just a thought without judgment. You did not do it. It was cast into your heart as a, you know, as a means for testing you. And the, the correct answer to this question in the test is that you don't pay attention to it. You move on to the next question. Or you move back to the question that you were already occupied with. Right? Don't pay attention. Don't blow into it. Don't inflate it. If you inflate it, it will become big. I mean, it will become big, but it will be empty. It will be empty, but still big, and it's going to bother you. You know, if if I put a, uh, if I told you, if I put a balloon in your hands, you, you cupped your hands, and then I put a balloon into in, in your hand, right? It's a tiny little piece of plastic. It just disappears in your, uh, in your in your palms when you cup your hand, the two hands. You cup the two hands, and it will just disappear. But if I, you know, take the tip of the balloon and start blowing into it and blowing into it and blowing into it, I'm going to break that cup that you, you made with your hand, you will just not be able to hold it, right? If I put this balloon into your stomach, it's a tiny little piece of balloon, and, you know, perhaps it won't do, do any harm or much harm, but if you start to inflate it, it's going to fill your stomach, and you will start to feel it. If I inflate it even more, it's going to give you pain. It will become painful. You won't be able to eat, and there will be real harm in it. It's like a balloon. Don't blow into it. Just leave it alone. To throw it into garbage. When the when that imagination passes by in front you know, by in, in front of the, the your inner sight, the sight of your imagination, just ignore it. Let it go. Let it go. If you try to hold it in, destroy it, that is the harm. That is the harm. Even if you destroyed it, it destroyed you. It harmed you. So this was the first aspect. Um, I was hoping to do to do two aspects today, but uh, it is quite a time actually. Uh, so we will stop here, and in the next episode, we will continue with the second aspect of the second station of the twenty-first word, which is about obsessive thoughts, whisperings of Satan, and how to to protect ourselves uh, from them, and how to cure the wounds that they open. Um, in our hearts. Subhanaka la ilmalana illa ma alamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhrad dawahum alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-fatiha.